This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today. We may have those watching for the first time, and we want you to know we're delighted that you've taken the time to, to tune in and to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. We have those that watch us every time we come on the air, and we appreciate your interest in the study of God's Word. Now today on our telecast, we want to talk about spiritual security. And we're going to be studying some passages from the New Testament. And I hope that you'll stay tuned as we talk about the, the security that we should have as Christians. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a, a Bible course that is free. I know a lot of people think that there's some catch to this when we say that the Bible course is free, but there is no catch. It's absolutely free. And we want you to have it. And this will enable you to learn more about the Bible. And so we want to pause now so you can learn how to receive the course, so you can know just a little bit more about the course itself. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'll read now from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9, beginning, and I'll read through the 12th verse. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end and that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I want you to notice verse 9 again, where the author says, We are confident of better things concerning you. What was it that gave the author such confidence in his readers? But what was the basis of their spiritual security? I believe that in the verses that we're going to look at in the sixth chapter of Hebrews, we will find three things that, that would give this confidence concerning these people. How can we have security as a Christian? What is it that gives us our security? First of all, we need to understand that God does not forget our works and our labor of love. Notice in the 10th verse he said, For God is not unjust 
to, to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name. He doesn't forget our work. There are some things about us that God does forget. When we obey the gospel by believing in Christ and repenting of our sins by being baptized into Christ upon the confession of faith in Him, God forgives us our past. In Hebrews 8 and 12, He said, there, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So He does forget our past. But there's something about us that God does not forget. And, it, and He says that He will not forget your work and your labor of love. He's not going to forget the service that's given to Him toward His name. That's in verse number 10. He, and, and this is work that is done on His behalf. Secondly, He will not forget service that has been shown toward His servants. Verse 10 says that you have ministered to the saints. That's a part of their works and their labor of love. And then second, thirdly, he is aware of what is being done presently. Because in verse 10 he says, and you do minister. So God does not forget what we do on his behalf. Sometimes we may forget what others do, but God never forgets. This fact can be a source of blessing and it can be a source of comfort to us. You know, God shows Himself strong to those who are loyal to Him. If God took note of Cornelius in his unsaved state, how much more will He take note of His children's efforts to serve Him? Why, in the 10th chapter of Acts, we read about a man named Cornelius, a God-fearing man, a praying man, a giving man. Man gave alms to the people. But Cornelius was not saved until he was taught the gospel by the Apostle Peter. And he needed to find out what to do to be saved. And Peter told him. And he preached Christ to him. And, and he and his household were baptized. And, and if the Lord took note of Cornelius, even when he was in an unsaved state, you just think how much more the Lord takes note of us today. Oh, we're going to stumble as Christians. But when we repent of our sins, our labor of love is remembered and our sins are forgiven. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we, can, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5, 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray ye one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's availing power in prayer. When we confess our sins and we ask the Lord to forgive us our sins as His children, He will forgive us our sins and our sins are forgotten. First John 1 and 7 says that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. And in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he writes, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 
And he's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Christians are going to stumble, but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And if we're walking in that light, a long life's way, when we stumble and fall, and we get up again, and we repent of those sins, and we ask the Lord to forgive us, that blood is going to continually cleanse us of our sins. One of the things that we learn from Hebrews chapter 6 is that we must be diligent, that we must be faithful, and that we must be patient. Look in verse 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. Now remember, we're talking about the security that we have, the assurance that we have as Christians. That you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. And that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So verse 11 says that we are to be diligent how long? We are to be diligent unto the end for as long as we live. And we are not to become sluggish. One translation uses the word slothful rather than sluggish. It's the same word translated dull in Hebrews chapter 5 and in verse 11 where they had become dull of hearing. These people were dull of hearing. He did not want them to be dull in their conduct. So he said you're not to become sluggish. And we are to imitate the faith of other people who have gone on before us. In the 15th verse, he mentions Abraham as, as a great example of faith. And he says, And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. We are to have diligence, faithfulness, and patience in the living of the Christian life. That is, if we want to have that security the Bible talks about, and we ought to imitate people like Abraham. Imitate those who through faith and, her- and, faith and, and, and patience inherit the promises. Peter described in 2 Peter chapter 1 the need for being diligent. It is not enough for an individual to be baptized for the remission of their sins. That's not the end. That's but the beginning. And and, uh, there is a life to live after one obeys the gospel. And Peter described the need for us being earnest and diligent in the living of the Christian life. Listen to him in 2 Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 5. And besides all of this, adding to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge, and to your knowledge temperance, and to your temperance patience, and to your patience godliness, and to your godliness brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness love. For for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. 
We're to be diligent. We're to be constant in the living of the Christian life. Eternal life is for those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 7. Now, we need to understand that our God is a God who keeps His promises. And that's another of the reasons that we have security. God is a promise-keeping God. Listen to verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you, And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. God made a promise to Abraham and in which God swore by himself because he could swear by none higher than himself. And Abraham obtained the fulfillment of the promise after patient endurance. That's verse 15. Now, God confirmed His promise with an oath. Look at verse 16. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath. So God confirmed His promise with an oath. And there was a double assurance in the promise, in the, uh, this oath that he gave. First of all, God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. It's against his holy nature for God to lie. Titus chapter 1 and 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. And then God confirmed the promise with His Word. God cannot lie, and then God gave His Word. That's really a double assurance that a God Almighty keeps His promises. And God's faithfulness is our assurance. Look in verse 18. That by two immutable things, in which is it impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. You see, God is a faithful God. He's not going to let you down. And God's faithfulness is our assurance. Verse 18 says it gives us strong consolation. Now, in order that we might remain steadfast, in order that we might remain true once we have become a Christian. We need something that keeps us anchored. And verse 19 tells us about that anchor. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Well, the purpose of an anchor is to keep a ship 
from drifting. Suppose you're out fishing and you forget to throw your anchor overboard. And after a while, you're way downstream. You're drifting away because you forgot to throw out the anchor. Jesus Christ is our anchor. He said, this hope, the hope that we have in Christ, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. A lot of folk today do not have any hope. They feel so hopeless. There are people that are living in situations today that, that, that well, they just feel so hopeless. In, in our local work where I'm preaching in Somerdale, Alabama, we come in contact with a lot of people who have been so affected by the economy that, and, and they have lost it all. They've lost their homes. And in a great way, they've lost their dignity. They, they've lost their self-respect. And now they're having to survive by begging for other people to help feed them and to feed their children. They feel so hopeless. There are people like that all over the world who feel hopeless because of the economic impact on their lives. There are those that feel hopeless because they've become entangled in a lifestyle that leads to a dead end. Lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and the like. They feel hopeless. But I want you to know that there is a place of hope, assurance, security. 1 Timothy 1 and 1 says that Christ who is our hope. And my friend, there is no other hope than Jesus Christ. Your hope is not in money. Your hope is not in fame. Your hope is not in a stimulus package. Your hope is not in a, in, in a politician. Your hope is in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there is no other hope. Our hope is not in some other man. Our hope is not in Mohammed. Our hope is not in Confucius. Our hope is in Jesus the Christ. And without Jesus Christ, folks, we're hopeless. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. That, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and being without God in the world. He is our hope. He is our anchor to keep us steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I would urge you with all of the love I have in my heart to come to the hope of the world. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus the Christ. Our hope is not in some movie star. Our hope is not in some musician. Our hope is not in some uh, uh, host on a television program. Our hope is Christ, and there is none other than Him. Now, verse 19 says that He has entered 
the presence behind the veil. And that's heaven. Jesus Christ entered into the most holy place that is in heaven on your behalf and on mine. And thus, listen to verse 20. What he did when he did, entered into that place where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become our high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now Jesus Christ entered into heaven over in Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse number 12, listen to it. Not with the blood of goats. Well, let me go back to verse 11 first of all. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. Now that's talking about heaven. Once for all, he did that one time, having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus is the high priest forever. He is our high priest. And he's also described in verse 18 in another way. Another way, look at verse 18. He is our refuge. He said that by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge. For refuge. To lay hold of the hope set before us. Could, could I ask you a personal question? Do you really feel safe right now? Do you feel spiritually safe? Someone remarked to my wife and I just recently, I don't sleep well at night. I, I, I worry about myself at night. They're concerned about their soul. And my suggestion would be to that individual, to all people everywhere, to flee to Jesus for refuge, the hope and the anchor of our souls. There, there is no other refuge that will st stand the test of time and of eternity. Well, I'm aware of the fact that people look for place, refuge in other places. Some even try to find refuge in, in believing God doesn't even exist. And if, and if they can convince themselves there is no God, they don't worry about anything. And they flee to that. Of course, David said, the fool has said in his heart, there is not a God. Psalms 14.1. But will that stand the test of, of eternity to say there is no God? Absolutely not. Some try to go to their own human goodness and they try to find refuge in their goodness. But there's none there. Some try to find refuge in the, the ecclesiastical organizations and the institutions that have been built by man. But there's none there. Why Jesus even said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. So I ask again, well, would you not flee to Jesus for refuge? Because that's where hope is found. That's where you can find an anchor. I have an idea right now that I'm speaking to some heart that just feels like you're just drifting around in life. You really don't know where you're going. You don't know what your purpose in living is all about. But I suggest to you that the Bible helps us with that. 
And the Bible answers the greatest questions of life. The Bible answers the question about, of our origin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and He created man. It, it, it answers the question about what our purpose is in living. And it was Solomon who said, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The sum and substance of our life is just to do what God said. And the Bible answers the question about where we're going when this life is over. And there are only two alternatives, heaven and hell. And the decision that we make in this life will determine our destiny. I ask again, is Jesus your hope, your anchor, and your refuge? And when Jesus is... What blessed, blessed hope we have. What security that we have. And our security as a Christian, of course, is not unconditional. So some teach that once you're saved, that regardless of what you do, you can even commit the sin of murder. And you could never lose your salvation. Well, friends, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we can so sin as to fall from God's grace in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. But the answer to falling from grace is to stand in God's grace, to be steadfast in His grace, Galatians 5 and 1. And so long as I, as a Christian, walk in the light as He is in the light, I have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ continually, constantly cleanses me of my sins, but it's conditioned upon my walking in the light. If I refuse to walk in the light, then I don't have the blessing that is mentioned in that passage, and that is the continual cleansing. But if I get out of the light, then I'm to confess my sins, 1 John 1, 9, and God will forgive me of my sins. What security we have as Christians. We, we have that security. Do you have it? I'd encourage you to come to Christ by believing on Him, by repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, by being baptized into Christ. Not because Brother Lambert says so, but because the Bible says so. And I'd urge you to do that just as quickly as you possibly can. Please don't hesitate when it comes to your salvation. And when you obey the gospel, you can remain steadfast and you will have the assurance that one day you'll be in heaven with the Lord who is there waiting on you now. And in the closing moments, let me invite you, personally invite you, to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also, right now, would you pick up the telephone and would you call for the free Bible correspondence course? Won't you do that right now? I, I don't know of a better thing you can do for yourself. Find out about Jesus, the anchor of our souls. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.